HRN listeners. As we celebrate our 15th year, we are deepening our commitment to giving voice to the next generation of food system storytellers, and we need your help. Our internship and fellowship programs help activate new possibilities for underrepresented and underestimated young people through experiential journalism, audio engineering, and production training. Through these unique programs, HRN helps food equity stewards build essential workforce readiness skills that expand their potential and foster economic mobility. Please consider supporting these critical programs. And with a minimum donation, you can be entered to win a dinner for two at an amazing restaurant in one of eight cities and tickets to a concert at a great venue in one of those cities. We have incredible partners across the country who have donated as they also share our passion for helping to educate the next generation of food system storytellers. Check out heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. That's heritageradionetwork.org 15 to donate and enter to win today. And make sure you donate before March 31st. Thank you. This episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. This week on a special Valentine's Day edition of Meet and 3, we put a twist on the lovey-dovey holiday. The mission statement is save the world through silliness and chocolate, and in parentheses, launch a chocolate bar into outer space. But I'm having um, some conflict on the board members with the parentheses. That's okay. He cited that in his area there used to be 30 dairy farms and now there are three. You know, dessert was political, and what you had on the dessert table said more about you than other markers of success. Tune in to Meet and 3, HRN's weekly food news and storytelling roundup wherever you listen to podcasts. So you don't shun the devil with your rock and roll load. Knows that country music's gonna save your soul. The Welcome back to the Speakeasy. I'm Souther Teague. I'm Greg Benson. Hey, buddy. How are you? I'm great, man. How are you doing? I am exhausted from my trip to Mexico. <laughs> well, I'm exhausted from staying here. <laughs> yeah. We went down with the team from Bonez. It was kind of a press junket. Um, Damon and I got to go down to record some episodes of the Speakeasy, which we'll be playing in the future. Sweet. Um, yeah, um, <clears throat> and uh, uh, there was a photographer there named Megan Rainwater. She's awesome. She works over Butter and Scotch. We were uh, joined by um, Alex Delaney, who is the um, drinks editor at the little magazine Bon Appetit. He's also kind of an internet sensation, got about 200,000 followers. So he was taking a bunch of pictures on his Instagram of our trip. Um, and we were hanging out with the team from Bonez uh, at their co-op, which, again, the episodes will come up and, and you'll get to learn about what we learned about, which is how... Mezcal makes its way from the Palenque out on the farm to the Maestro at the distillery to the bottling plant and all the way back here to the United States where we can drink it up. And you you and I were talking about this over a slice of delicious Roberta's Pizza earlier. But <laughs> um, This episode is sponsored by Roberta's Pizza. <laughs> please give me free pizza. Yeah. <laughs> um, but the, the interesting kind of catch-22 that a lot of Mezcal producers find themselves in where the demand for their product is going up faster than the supply possibly could and the demand is eventually going to outstrip the supply mm-hmm. and yet you kind of can't take your foot off the gas because it's got so much momentum that if you know mezcal suddenly uh, you know the supplies dwindled and a bottle cost you know twice what it should which is still 
or twi- twice what it does, which is still like a fifth of what it should, you know, people are going to jump ship and be like, I'm, I'm, I'm a Haranda guy now. Yeah. <laughs> That's the new big thing. Right. Well, so the, the co-op is, is doing lots of things, laying down lots of measures uh, now for the future, right? Because there is going to be a, an issue of sustainability of the product itself. There's also issues of sustain- sustainability with the people who make the stuff, you know, um, you know, it's, it's, I likened it to something that happened here in the United States, you know, uh, farming families in the, in the middle of the country, they would send their kids off to college or whatever, and then the kid would come back and be like, I'm not coming back to the farm. Like, so this is kind of happening in Mezcal too, right? People, it's, it's, it's generational and, and, you know, the kids are growing up in these, these areas that are, you know, for all intents and purposes, abjectly poor. Yeah. Uh, and then they, you know, they maybe go off, go off and get a little education. They're like, I'm not going back to this village of a thousand people where I, you know, have to work very, very hard to produce a product that then I can't sell at the price that it's worth. Um, so, like, the co-op is down there creating sustainability of financing and, you know, basically paying these people a, a, a weekly salary instead of a boomer bust economy where they only get paid, like, once a year when they produce. Um, and it's creating uh, it's creating economies down there that are just changing changing people's lives, changing entire communities, not just families. So it's pretty pretty fascinating stuff. I don't want to give too much of it away. We're gonna edit down the uh, all the recordings that we did while we were there, and we'll we'll post them up, and people get to hear the stories of these people right from their own mouths. It's pretty pretty interesting stuff. Nice. Yeah. yeah. What have you been up to? Uh, producing a lot of new episodes of Bar None. Um, heading back to we got. The Bar None um, Podcast, man. I really enjoyed the episode about beer with Garrett Oliver. Thank about, you, man. About light beer, specifically. Thanks. Oh, God. He was such a fun fucking interview. Like, if I could if I could just put the entire thing up and be like, this is our light beer episode, I'd be like, I'm happy with this product. He yep. is uh, a, a font of knowledge and just an incredibly well-spoken person. Like, I think I can count on one hand the number of times he said, uh, and um, just like the sentences that pop into that guy's head and just come out fully formed are amazing. Um but yeah, it was it was a fun one. Like, see, exa- exactly, exactly. I'm yeah. no, I'm no Garrett Oliver, not yet. <laughs> but yeah, we un- introduced it just in time for the Super Bowl. So a lot of talk about light beer, just in time for the biggest light beer day of the entire calendar year. And weirdly, coming on the heels of the hundredth anniversary of the enactment of prohibition, talking about how we have a lot of this crazy patchwork quilt of weird absurd alcohol laws in this country uh my personal favorite being that if you have a brewery in new jersey and your brewery serves your beer at that brewery which you are allowed to do you legally have to give someone a brewery tour yeah before you can serve yes yeah (laughs) (laughs) so like anytime you go to a brew pub in jersey someone will come out from behind the bar they will intercept you they will direct you like three feet into the brew house and they'll be like all right, real quick here. Uh, let's see. Mash ton, lauder ton, kettle, fermenter. Grain goes in there. Hops go in there. Yeast goes in there. Beer comes out there. Let's get a drink. Yeah, what can I get you? Yeah. <laughs> you have to get the, the three-cent tour. Um, well, let's shift gears and chat with the p- people we have in the studio with us today. we got uh, Chris Bidmead, founder of Bar Methods, which is a, pro- a, a project that I've been involved in since its inception. Um, and Michael Toscano, who's the Woodford Reserve, Woodford Reserve Brands ambassador is that correct correct yeah nice welcome to the studio guys thanks for having us thank you um so want to talk to chris uh, about bar methods um it's coming up again in august right yes um tell the listener what bar methods is and then we'll talk about bar methods definitely so bar methods is a technique focused uh bar and hospitality course that uh, we host one big summit in new york every year and it focuses in on the fundamentals of bartending so getting into stirring shaking ice garnish prep sustainability uh, guest interaction, really just a one-on-one for 
uh, the skill sets that you would need to have a successful career in the bar or hospitality world. Yeah, who's your target audience for this thing? Um, I built it originally with the Monday day bartender in mind mm-hmm. and was quickly put on my ass when <laughs> some like very senior people started <laughs> applying. And I'm like, hey, guys, um, do you just want to come to New York? Or like, why did you sign up? You can teach this. Uh, and I really... Right, I remember year one, I think Ezra Starr was one Ezra of the... Ezra Starr, Troy Clark, yeah. um, Gareth Owls had applied. Yeah. And it really made me look at who could benefit from the material that we're doing and where it can be applied. And when I got them on the phone and asked them why the interest, you know, what about it, a lot of it was either a return to the basics to see, you know, how they can improve what they're doing. But just as much the response is and has continued to be from senior bartenders and operators, how they can teach in their own establishments what they're learning there. So they're coming in to actually pick up the material, go back and better the teams around them and implement it in their programs, which is really the biggest thing that I can ever hope for. That's amazing, man. And yet the... The way that we learn in this industry is so weird. I've never, for as much as there are dorks in this industry, and there's a room full of them right here. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> we the resistance to like any sort of formal education is crazy. Like I, I know personally that like when I was hiring, if I would ever get a resume that had like you know. MFA in mixology from Jimmy's School of Bartending. That right. resume went right in the trash. <laughs> Absolutely, Chris, but it was Chris, also Chris Louder, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> Chris Louder made drinks with colored liquids um, that were all water. Uh, yeah, and, 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 and that's the thing. Like, yeah. <laughs> but that's it. It's when you look at, and we're hitting the generation of it now too. Where like when you look at where they're learning this, especially nowadays with how fast the major markets are blowing up, how quick the secondary and tertiary markets are really growing. The issue that I realized a couple years back is everybody who's in a position to develop a program, build a team, and really the old way of like, you're the bar back, you are going to break ass until someone has a Thursday afternoon to be like, here, shake this. And then you're going to learn kind of how to shake. And then one day they're going to be like, no, 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 do this this way. And you kind of pick up your skill set as you're going through the job. Now, when you look at, you know, the hospitality markets and the growth of them, so many people that are in that position with the ability to train and with the skill set and knowledge to train, the line that you always hear is like, I've got this program that I'm running now and I've got something else that I can't really talk about yet, but it's coming up. So no one's got the time to stick around and work with the team that they put together right? because they're always jumping off to the next project, the next project. So they're just building and moving. And a lot of that mentorship and a lot of that growth within has really declined. And you've got people that are just learning from YouTube or from books or trying to pick up what they can. And they're doing a great job of it. And what they're learning and how they're picking it up is great. Or it's terrible. Or it's taking them twice as but, long but as it should. Any of those three choices could be true, but no matter what, it's non-standardized, right? Right. So the, the effort that you're putting forth is to create a standard that we can all sort of at least have Correct. a foundation, Have a right? foundational baseline that is... And, and it's why I like focusing in on the technique, because everybody can have your daiquiri spec. But shaking is shaking. And Japanese shaking is one style. You know, American-style shaking is another. But ultimately, the technique of shaking is introducing 
aeration, it's introducing dilution, it's dropping the temperature. It's a functional process to get to an outcome. So understanding the technique, the skill set that goes into it, and why you're doing those techniques is really what it's there for. Because if you understand why you're doing the technique, the implementation going forward is yours. You now have a tool in the box that you can pull out and use whenever you see fit. Yeah, the why is so much more important than the how 100%. to me. It's just like, you know, to, you can... I mean, that's the difference between someone who's just being practical and someone who's being a nerd. Right. right? Yeah. We're nerds. I think the bulk of the people who are inside the the bubble that we live in in, in our field are nerds, right? Hi, like, nerds. Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> the bulk of the people listening to this show are nerds. Hi, um, everyone. I'm not calling you nerds and not including myself. I'm a nerd, too. <laughs> I will call you all nerds. <laughs> yeah. Um, <clears throat> so I feel like, you know... Uh, it's at least creating, uh, you know, some sort of a standard for the the folks who want to become the nerds that we are, right? And even, even if they don't want to become the nerds that we are, if you just want to become proficient in what you're doing and understand how to do it better, or how to do more of it, or just have a grasp on what it is you're doing. Right. I travel pretty extensively for work, and I get to go into bars and restaurants all over the world, and I and I, I walk into many of them, and I I, I see a, a team, or at least a member of the team who looks like they're maybe unfulfilled in the job that they're doing because maybe they're they're doing it and mechanically they're they're kind of getting it right but they have no baseline mm-hmm. knowledge that, that that they are doing it right mm-hmm. so right it's even just a level of fulfillment that i think you get with education for sure right you may walk into this program bar methods and you may listen to my hour long talk of how to stir drinks right mm-hmm. which i do every year yep. and, and every year i think fuck an hour's not long enough even though the first, <laughs> even though the first year I thought an hour, it's going to take me five minutes, and then I, and then I think I, re- I recall reaching back out to you and saying like, "Can I get ninety minutes?" And yep. you're like, "No, it's going to be an hour." <laughs> yeah, it was clockwise, counterclockwise, left hand, right hand. What else am I talking about? Yeah, that's what I said. <laughs> um, and then and then you said, "No, dig into it." And so I did, and then I was like, "Holy shit, I need more time." And you're like, "No, make it an hour." Okay, mm-hmm. fine. Um, <laughs> which I did, and it's great. But I feel like, you know, even if someone comes into the program and they walk away saying, like, I was already doing all that, then they can feel, they, I think they walk away yeah. still feeling better. Well, and that's the thing, too. Like, I remember. I don't think anyone comes in and thinks, I didn't learn anything. I think they come in, and if, they, if, if that's the case, they come in and they walk out of there saying, well, fucking hey, I was doing it right the whole time. That's great. Yeah, 100%. Right? So then when they go back and stir the next drink, they're thinking to themselves, I'm doing this right, and I was doing it right the whole time. Yeah. It's definitely confidence when you go into it. I remember going into accounts and bars and, you know, oh, come back here, shake a daiquiri. And I'm like, oh, you know, you listen to Danny Neff shake and yeah, it's man. like this 57 Chevy going off and you just hear yeah, this yeah. clank of the ice. And I know I can't do that. <laughs> yeah. So, but yeah. it doesn't mean that it's wrong. It doesn't mean my daiquiri's bad. It's just functionally, I'm doing the same thing. He's doing it different, but the outcome's the same. So having that confidence in understanding that went so far. Yeah. And I hope it goes so far for everybody that gets to experience it. Yeah. I think it's also an awesome opportunity, especially as, you know, we've seen the, the first wave of the craft bartending movement. And then kind of the second wave is, is starting to get into management or out and doing their own thing. And so you have this new wave of people coming through. And as the older generations have moved on, there's not always things left behind. Mm-hmm. So it's almost like you're resetting every time the new group comes through. Yeah. So having this... Uh, educational resource where you can come in and be affirmed that you are doing it the right way or oh I didn't think about it like this and this is something else I can do because you know you don't know what you don't know mm-hmm. um, I think it, it puts our industry in a really amazing position to just have this next set of growth be leaps and bounds because we're not you know we've got it in place where they have the foundation to get it from the minute they get behind the bar 100% and that's the other side of it too is when you look at when you look at even some of the more advanced skills and some of the things we figured out and 
you know, Jeffrey Morgenthal are putting a cocktail in a barrel or Nick Korn submerging a cocktail in a barrel. And all of these tests and experiments and things that everybody have gone to these lengths to figure out, if your baseline is starting there because you're just looking at what everybody else is doing, where are you going to take it from there? Like, if you're not spending the time to get to status quo and you're starting there with that core understanding far beyond where it was when I started, Mm -hmm. because the resources are now there, the educators are now there, the mentors are there. What are you going to do from that point in the time that it took me to get there? You know, 15 years in the bar world, I'm here. If I can dump 10 years of a head start on somebody. Yeah. Where do we go from there? Yeah. 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 yeah it's, you know, and I also think that it's pretty powerfully important, like, especially for a program like Bar Methods. If if I were to be able to have a bar somewhere that maybe all this information wasn't so readily available like it is, it's an embarrassment of riches in New York. We have so much at our fingertips. Yeah. Um, but if I were somewhere in a smaller market and I would say, well, you know what, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to pick a member of my team who I think is, is an up-and-coming leader and I'm going to send them to Bar Methods and they're going to go and get either confirmation or they're going to learn stuff and they're going to come back and then they're going to take over teaching my team. Because what I'm hearing from a lot of people when I travel is we're in a small market and like you just said, I've yeah, got my one bar them. and I'm about to open my next bar and the talent just isn't here. Mm-hmm. Right? Where? How do I build talent? How do I build teams? Yeah. Um, you know, and, and I tell them, you know, things like you know educational opportunities are the only way to go um and it shows in the applications too like we get new york is probably the smallest market represented we have so many applicants come in from uh, so many secondary and tertiary markets that a lot of the major markets are are getting enough through the resources that they have there or are just too busy to understand that it's beneficial or don't care that it's there or don't need it, don't want it, whatever it is. But these smaller markets are hungry for it. And it's amazing for me to see who's signing up and where it's going. And it really shows when you look at what markets are coming up next. I mean, you're rocking the Porco shirt and, yeah. you know, they, they've been there, they've done it. And what Cleveland's doing, what Kalamazoo, what Pittsburgh, what, you know, all of these other odd markets that no one really... Sorry, guys. I think about you all the time. Um, <laughs> Indianapolis, Indiana, maybe. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, hi, Mike. <laughs> um, but yeah, like there are so many great people that are doing great things in those markets just off of what they have that if you give them more, where are they going to go with it? Yeah, yeah. They're hungry for it and they're going to use it when you give it to them. Yeah. Um, let's take a quick break and hear from our sponsors. We'll come back and then I want to talk to you, Michael, about um, sobriety and brand ambassadorship. Awesome. We'll be yeah. right back. episode is brought to you by Roberta's, home of Heritage Radio Network for 10 years. Roberta's was founded in Bushwick in 2008 and has become one of the most iconic restaurants in the country. HRN made its home inside of Roberta's in 2009, and together they have become part of the DIY fabric of the neighborhood. Roberta's, the pizza restaurant, is open for lunch and dinner seven days a week and serves much more than just the famous wood-fired pizzas. Their team dreams up new salads, pastas, and sandwiches on the regular. Roberta's Tiki Bar is alive and well in the back garden, serving up frozen drinks in the summer and hot toddies in the winter. Stop by the bakery and takeout spot next door for fresh breads, sticky buns, and pizzas to go. 
And of course, there's the two Michelin-starred Blanca tucked away in the garden for truly daring diners. But Roberta's also extends beyond Bushwick, with multiple locations in New York City and now in Los Angeles. You can also find their frozen pies in grocery stores around the country. The spirit of Roberta's, like Heritage Radio Network, is everywhere. Here's to many more years of pizza-powered radio. Learn more about Roberta's at robertaspizza.com. And we're back. Welcome back to the Speakeasy. Um, so hanging out again with uh, Chris Bidme to Bar Methods and Michael Toscano from uh, Woodford. Um, Michael, you uh, I didn't know this about you. You revealed to me uh, off air before we started today um, that you stopped drinking seven months ago. Yeah. yeah. What... Uh, what Talk to the listeners a little bit about a little bit where you're from. Came here from Indianapolis. Yeah. What you've done here in New York, and then what made you maybe make this pretty pretty monumental decision for someone who's in our field. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so uh, my wife uh, and I, uh, Brooke Harris, we moved out here from Indianapolis a little over three years ago. Uh, I got uh, very fortunate. Uh, got in with a little bar called Dante in the yeah. West Village. Uh, if you guys have heard about it, it's just a tiny little period teeth bar. Oh, that orange juice place. <laughs> yeah, that fluffy, <laughs> that fluffy juice. Um, uh, and I was there for about a year and a half. Um, got to uh, learn under Narn and, and Lyndon and Natalie and that whole team and um, left there uh, last September uh, just wanted to try to do something else a year and a half there was, was a lot um, learned a ton but it was just time to kind of move on and so I did some consulting that's where Chris and I kind of connected and yeah. then uh, in January of last year I got on with Woodford Reserve as the brand ambassador uh, and I've been doing that for right about a year um, How'd you make that leap? Uh you know, really, I just kind of... a question I get a lot from sure. people. Like, how, how, how does one go from being a bartender to being a brand ambassador? Um, so, I have a kind of a, a weird career and background. So, I graduated from college in 2005, uh, and I went right into corporate America and did, like, the white shirt and suit and tie thing for basically my entire 20s. Uh, so, I had a corporate background already and kind of lived in that world. Uh, and then, it, when I was 29, I quit, took a barbacking gig, canned beer at a brewery, kind of moved up at Libertine Liquor Bar in Indianapolis from bar back to GM over a three and a half year period mm -hmm. and then moved out here. Uh, so I've really only been in the industry for about seven years all out. Um, so I, I kind of always thought brand ambassadorship would be the, the next step when I was finally like not wanting to work 12 hour shifts and get off at four in the morning, you know? Um, and so uh, I had met Walter Easterbrook, the former ambassador, uh, through competing in the Manhattan Experience. Mm -hmm. um, and we just became really good friends. And then when he moved on, reached out and said, hey, I think you would be a great fit for this job, um, which didn't mean anything other than, you know, four interviews in a three-month period of, like, still trying to fight my ass off to get the job uh, and then and made the move. So then it was kind of taking both of my careers and putting them together into, into one thing and keeping me in the industry that I really loved, but some more regular hours, insurance, you know, benefits, like all the fun stuff that adults enjoy. So mm -hmm. it's been nice. And then uh, you made the decision seven months ago to to stop stop drinking. Yeah, uh, it's funny. So the job, you know, I looked at it as it was an opportunity to get some regular hours and kind of, uh, you know, have more time at home and my dogs and my wife and all that. And then it really kind of saved my life, I think, to some degree, not to be overly dramatic, but I do think that. Um, so uh, it was something that always kind of been in the back of my head. Um, for me, the, my issue was always just once I started, I didn't stop. Um, being around it doesn't bother me. It still doesn't bother me. I'd happily be at a bar and drink soda water or NA cocktails or whatever all night. Doesn't not an issue. Um, but I just had to 
have a little bit of a self-reflection and a moment of if I'm going to be good at this job, if I'm really going to do it to the extent that I know I can, uh, and be the person that I want to be at 36 years old, that I just needed to stop do stop drinking. It just wasn't. I had plenty of time to enjoy it, um, but for me to, to to grow and become the person that I knew I needed to be for myself, for my wife, for my coworkers, for my friends, uh, it was just time. So I got back from Tales. And everybody always assumes Tails is the reason why. Uh, which, which, I, I sure can't imagine. How many stories have we all heard that start with when I got back from? Yeah, Tales. right. Everybody dries out. Um, I didn't really. I didn't really have uh, any like it, Tails wasn't crazy. We were working a lot. Um, I was there all week uh, and, and as an ambassador, so it wasn't crazy. Uh, but I did have some interactions with some people who I didn't remember hanging out with here in New York who got offended that I didn't remember them, and it was all based on nights you know at different bars around the city you know, until four in the morning. And I came to the realization that if I'm going to be an ambassador, if I'm going to be like, it just made me sick to my stomach. Cause that's not who I want to be as a person either. You know, I want to be a good friend and a good, uh, just person in general and present and what I'm doing. Started thinking about all the time I've lost to blackouts and, and hangovers. And it was just like, time's the most precious thing I have. And I'm just losing it and giving it away. So I got back Monday morning. I woke up, looked at Brooke and just said, you know, I'm an alcoholic and I have to stop. And that was it. And then from that point forward, I uh, just kind of cut it out and uh, talked to her and leaned on some friends. And I've got family that's gone through this. And, uh, you know, our Elizabeth McCall, our assistant master distiller from Woodford, um, I waited about three months to put it on, on the universe, I guess, to, like, put it out. Because I, I do struggle with, like, do I put it out? Does anybody really give a shit that I'm not drinking? Like, why do I care about yeah. my sobriety, right? I think no. <laughs> Yet here we are talking about it. Yeah, right. I think I think that's your personal decision. Yeah, fuck it. If well, anybody wants to know, fuck them. It was crazy because the 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 reception I got from putting that out was was overwhelming. Uh, people that I didn't know were sober that are for years and years in this industry that are, are titans in our industry reached out. Um, Elizabeth McCall, our assistant master distiller, reached out. Um, I had people that are struggling with whether or not they want to do it reach out. So I've had a lot of really great conversations and meetings because of it. Um, and it's really been a huge benefit. And so I've had support from the brand from the minute that anybody knew I was doing it. Um, I've had support from all of my accounts and the people in this industry have all welcomed it. And, um, you know, a handful of people disappeared out of my life, but that's, that's okay too. I, yeah. You know, that's fine. I don't need that. Maybe, maybe you didn't need them. <laughs> yeah. I mean, and other people have come into my life that have been far more beneficial than, you know, those relationships were. So, so overall a great decision for you. Yeah. And yeah. You, you think this is permanent? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Not a question. Not I, a question. I, no, not a question at all. I can't. I can't imagine there ever being a moment in my life where I would feel like I needed alcohol to make the situation better than what than it already is. I'm so much more, just more fulfilled in everything that's happening right now. Um, and I, you know, you get my, a lot of support. You get any haters? Like you know, I, I, off the air, I said, what's it like being a, a you know, a bald barber sure. or, or a vegan butcher? Right, that's that's the position you're in suddenly. Sure. Uh, no, it's, and and thank God I haven't because I feel bad for the person that would give me any shit because I would lose my fucking mind on that person. <laughs> um, <laughs> and that and that's just for anybody that's ever felt like they can't sit at a bar and have a non-alcoholic cocktail or a soda water and enjoy being in that atmosphere. Like you know, as a we're in the hospitality industry, we're in the service industry. People come in and they're spending money. Who gives a shit that they don't want to drink? Like, and you, you don't know that person. That that you could be the per the reason that person goes and drinks for the first time in four years. You know, like that, that kind of stuff bothers me a ton. So uh, I haven't had that happen. I think that's a testament to our industry is currently, yeah. you know, as far as like turning that corner. I think those bartenders are, are kind of few and far between now versus maybe five years ago, you would have dealt a little bit more with, 
oh god, he's sitting in my bar and he's not going to tip and all that bullshit. You know, <laughs> well, um, I don't even mean that. I just mean you know yeah, uh, sure. anybody that you know that you deal with that you're that you're you know you're an ambassador. So you're yeah. selling the juice to someone. Any blowback from that? No, I mean I, I carry a, a copper julep cup with me at all times. So um, you know I'm still tasting and, and, and spitting and, and and truthfully, you know I'm from Indiana as we talked about. So Woodford's, you know been around in my life since I was 21 years old. Um, and so, uh, you know, I, I can speak to the brand. Speakeasy the, encourages you to drink responsibly. <laughs> <laughs> to the to the flavor profile. So no, I haven't had any real, uh, any real pushback with any of that either, which has been great. I didn't necessarily assume you had. It just it was yeah, a question sure. I thought I'd ask, you know, because most people when they say that they make this decision, they do talk primarily about the support that they get. And I'm just curious if, if yeah. anyone... If anyone's, you know, some kind of dark horse in your life that's no. like, fuck you, man. We, I mean, used to, we used to hang, bro. <laughs> well, that, we that, to, those, those are the, the people, people that lost. went away, right? Yeah. And, and there was definitely uh, a shock that some of, some of those people that I considered really close friends that, you know, I traveled the world with and did a lot of really cool shit with that when I first told them basically told me, oh, that sucks because I really liked you. You know, I like drinking with you. And then my response was, yeah, but you were always pulling me out of bars. Like, did you like doing that? And I was, yeah. was that part? Was it? <laughs> yeah. Was that fun? was that the cool part that yeah. you got to deal with me being blackout at a bar because you know I couldn't handle it? And it was like, oh, I get it. And then you know, radio silence. Yeah, I'm, Which, cu- I'm curious. Maybe if those people are struggling themselves, you know, yeah. they're they're unwilling to maybe admit it, or you know, it's hard to be around you now because they it shines a light on on their own self. You yeah, know? could be. I don't Very know. possible. We spoke off the air a little bit about I've I've had troubles in the past too. You know, I, I've I've spent two separate calendar years. 12 months each time in, in AA myself and came to some realizations about myself and, and and got to a place where I think that abstinence isn't for me, but moderation is, and that's where I've been living for the past dozen years. Um, but it was, you know, it was difficult decisions, especially while bartending, yeah. to say, okay, I'm going to stand behind this bar and serve people drinks and yeah. maybe get some of them pretty fucked up and I'm, and I'm, if you feel somewhat hypocritical at first, at least I, I did. Sure. I don't know if you went through that. Yeah, I mean, you know, we talked about it. We talked about it earlier. Like this, this job, you know, really did kind of save my life in the sense that it, it allowed me to have the time to kind. Of, it, it well, it put me in a position where I realized I was drinking too much whiskey and I needed to stop. And I think that's what kind of took me over the top of like, okay, I need to really analyze my habits here, and then also the support and the the freedom to really be able to step back and take a week to just dry out and really kind of think about my next steps. Um, you know, it's, it's been, it's been fantastic. And the job's been a huge part of that. Well, I think it's also different. I mean, what we were saying earlier is that, you know, when you're a younger person, you know, when you're in your early twenties and you're just raging all the time, like the pleasure you get from like drinking cocktails and beer is the way that it makes you feel. But you know, as you learn more and as you become a bigger and bigger dork about it, you know, you can appreciate other things about it besides just the fact that it gets you lit, you know? And I think uh, to, to what you were saying about, you know, feeling a little bit, uh, a little bit two faced about, you know, I'm not going to drink, but I'm going to get you guys nice and hammered if you want to. I don't know. I wonder if that would be different if you were in a bar that only sold Bud Light and, you know, shots of well whiskey as opposed to what, everyone in this room does which is you know there are things that we get out of what we do beyond the way that it makes you feel like i appreciate the history and the story and how it's made and the craft and the the, the flavor in it beyond just the end result at the end of the night you know? yeah yeah well we talked about that a little bit off air too like i feel like the cocktail is what sort of saved my life i realized that i could drink um and enjoy drinking um more than just drink for the result yeah which is you know drunkenness anyway 
Tough decision. Uh, man, heavy, heavy episode. Yeah. Um, it's all good. Everything's great, though. It is great. It is great. You look great, by the way. Thank uh, you. You know, I haven't seen you in a bit, uh, and I didn't know this news until today. Yeah. Um, and I would have probably said something like, what are you doing? You look great. And you would have come up. But um, And you're vegan now, too. Oh, yeah. Jesus yeah. I've Christ. made all kinds of changes. But hey, anybody, do, whatever, do whatever you want out there. I'm not going to trust anybody to do anything. That's it. Show's over. Yeah. It's way off. Sorry, guys. I'll go. Uh, see yourself out. Um <laughs> No, that's great too. You know, I, I'm partners with Robbie DeRossi, and we have all our spots are either vegan or going vegan. And uh, you know, I think it's probably the move that that the planet needs from everybody. Um, I'll gladly sit down over a steak and talk about it with anyone who wants to talk about it. <laughs> um, I know I, it's it's a, it's a super conundrum for me because I think that it's the right thing to do, um, but I'm so tied to meat sure. <laughs> um, as a former butcher and chef and guy who loves to eat meat. Um, but I do. I, I will say this: I've definitely reduced my intake of animal products over the past several years. When we've we've switched everything to vegan, um, you know, moderation in all things I think is the goal for me. Uh, but uh, you know, good for you. You look good. Yeah. Thanks. Vegan, well, I appreciate that. Vegan, no drinking, exercising, getting up early, going to bed early. You look good. Um, uh, not going to bed early. We're still we're still living the <laughs> still living the bartender schedule a little bit. But, yeah. But yeah, it's it's been great. Uh, and how do you enjoy the position with Woodford? I love it. Yeah. Yeah, I really do. Um, my, my role is really trade advocacy and, and focusing on, you know, the craft cocktail world. Uh, so I can still be around the people that I care about in the industry that I love. Um, and, uh, you know, trying to find ways to bring some of my habits that I've kind of formed into our industry. Um, but at the end of the day, also recognizing that, you know, we're, we're still we're still moving whiskey here. So it's yeah. and there's still there's still some alcohol involved, which is completely fine. I mean, it's. 100% part of the deal and, and it's a great product and I'm glad it's not you know flavored vodka or you know some kind of obscure you know aquavit that no one's ever heard of so it's great <laughs> not that those things aren't good I just, yeah, I'm yeah. glad I'm not buying aquavit yeah. Yeah, yeah exactly this is a Brennavan ad sorry uh, yeah um so uh, you get to you get to cruise around the city and other places. I'm sure. Are you just in New York? Where are you? Yeah, so Metro New York, which is great. So um, you know, I've got friends that work for for Bombay and, and all those other ones, and they're always on the road. Uh, and I get to focus on Manhattan and Brooklyn, <laughs> which is great. So uh, I get to stay home. I did a lot of traveling with Dante, and it was a lot of fun. And I, I think I wished I would have done it in my 20s, because uh, you know, four weeks away in my 30s from my wife and dog is not what I want to do. So yeah, right. <laughs> Much rather stay home. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You're becoming a homebody. Yeah. Um, but that's great. I mean, New York, uh, the New York and New York metro area is massive. Yeah. Like, there's plenty of bars yeah. who either have or probably should have your product. And so, yeah, you plenty of work for you to do here. It's been great. And I finally feel like I'm seeing the city. For the first two and a half years, I, you know, got off on the West Fourth Stop and <laughs> went to Dante and worked and <laughs> got on the West Fourth Stop and went home and yeah. did laundry. And so now I get to, like, be out and, and see people and see these beautiful restaurants and bars and do like you know normal stuff like Yankees games which I'll finally get to one this year yeah <laughs> I mean it's pretty crazy you know I tell people all the time like I, I feel like if I didn't live in New York and I just visited here for two weeks out of the year I'd probably do more New York stuff yeah. in two weeks than I get done in a year because I work most nights and I don't you know I don't get to go I can't remember the last time I was at a Yankees game or yeah. I've only ever been I've been here almost 20 years now 20 this year will be 20 years I, I have, I've only been to Madison Square Garden once you know what I mean I, yeah. like uh, I can't remember the last museum I went to. Then people come in and they're like, "We're here for a week and we do all this stuff." And I'm like, "Holy shit!" I well, that's why that's why shit. I love having people come to visit, man. Because it's like, oh, finally, I get to do all the mm -hmm. all the kitschy shit that I never get around to doing <laughs> yeah. when it's just me, you know. Uh, well, let's switch gears and go back to talking about bar methods a little bit, Chris. Yeah. Um, it's coming up in August. What's the date? 
August 30th to September 2nd. And uh, enrollment is live and, and open? Applications are open now. They're going to be open until the first of the month. Wait, that's just like, that's a week away. Yeah. Oh, I didn't know it was that short. Yeah, Get well, on we've, it, been, we've been running it since the first of the month. Okay. Um, and it's been incredible. It's been incredible to see how many are coming in, where they're coming from. Um, what are you looking for in an applicant? Because I'm certain, so there's only 50 slots, right? There's only 50 slots. And I'm certain you get more applications than slots. Yes. So what, what makes one rise to the top and what makes one fall off? Um, the... You know, give, give the listeners some cheats yeah. so, they can, so um, they can get in. <laughs> I mean, it's a really simple application. I don't look for... <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, I don't look for anything heavily written. You know, I want to know where you work and what you're doing, what you've done, what you want to learn and work on. And that's really all that's in the application um and then i stalk heavily on social media and, the and you goal, keep saying i you do all this i me, just you yeah you don't have like a, a panel of folks who, no you, you get a, you get a, you get a, you get a hundred uh, you know get a thousand applications you don't have 10 people you give a hundred to each and mm-hmm. let them go through that's why i'm closing them early this year oh i see <laughs> okay uh, that is a lot shorter than last year right it, yeah last year i ran it for like three months and damn yeah uh this year Shortening the timeline and being upfront about it being a shorter timeline definitely front-loaded some applications coming in. Uh, but the big thing is I want people in there that want to do this. I was about to say, I feel like it presses people to be, like, the serious. Yeah. I, I want people in Only the Only the serious that, need apply, right? That's it. You know, and they got to like it. They've got to be in this. They've got to want to bartend. That nerdiness works. When you tell someone you're going to sit in the room and talk about stirring for an hour, Yeah, it pre-qualifies a lot of people. <laughs> <laughs> It's amazing. People who are like, where do I sign up? Or like, okay, you, you'll do well here. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. When they're like, wait, I'm sorry, what? Do I need my arm guards? <laughs> yes. Yes. When do I sign up for the flare classes? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's, that's bar methods too. Yeah. <laughs> um, Chris well, Cardone. Talk a little bit, of, yeah, talk a little bit about the, 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 the whole setup of the thing, right? The, the, oh, the whole? As a, 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 if I get accepted as an applicant, yeah. what, what happens next? So if you get accepted as an applicant, a couple quick little steps. You are responsible for a $200 enrollment fee, and you are responsible to get yourself to New York. Outside of that, with that enrollment fee, we host you in the Park South Hotel. Nice hotel. For the entirety of the program. You will get involvement and get to engage with brands during all of the sponsored meals. So we cover your breakfast, lunch, and dinner for all the time that you're here. You get eight classes, and again, they dig into the fundamentals, and all of that's included. And then activations that are brand-supported around that. So we'll do happy hours, we'll do late-night parties, different activations and events. Uh, and then you'll take a test on the last day to make sure that you're not just blindly sitting in class waiting for dinner. And But hopefully the application process is going to weed out those folks. Uh, yeah. I haven't seen anybody who is not participating. No, and that's the and thing I've been, too. I've, like, I've taught my class every year of it, so. The big goal is to go through and make sure that the people that are applying and that are attending are in this to be in this. And it becomes really obvious when you look at the photos that people are tagged in or the photos that they choose to put online. When someone's in this environment and in this industry and wants to be in it, it reflects throughout their life. I'm not saying that the perfect applicant has these cocktail competition photos as every third picture on their Instagram. But when it's a lifestyle that you're into, when it's something that you're passionate about, it shows through what you're going to do in your day-to-day. It also doesn't mean that every picture of you with 
you know, a beer in hand at a cocktail bar or a sports bar with TVs behind you or this or that. Like, just because you like to drink doesn't mean this is right for you. You've got to enjoy and be nerdy about cocktails. And last year was the steer into the skid where we are nerds. Yeah. And that is it. And I'm very happy to do that and champion it and, you know, whatever other barnyard animals are out there and whatever other programs are involved. I want all the nerds and I want to develop and put more nerds out there. Yeah. Well, so how, how did... Because I've had this conversation about how bizarre it is that there isn't like kind of a, a, a you know a core curriculum for people that yeah. want to be in this career. I've had that conversation with literally everybody I've ever worked with, but you actually went out and you did something about it. Yeah. Like, what was? Did you have like a Jimmy Stewart moment where you're like, Listen, I have to do something here. Someone's got to take a stand. A like, little bit. I watched. It? So I watched a friend's bar open, restaurant open, and I watched the onboarding for the initial team. And it was beautiful. They took the time. They broke down every dish out of the kitchen, every ingredient, all the plating. Had three different psalms come in, all the reps. Everyone broke down the cocktails. This is how service is going to flow. This, this, and that. And I'm like, fuck, this is great. Like, it was the biggest, most organized opening that I ever got to be in the room for. I didn't even work for the place, but I was helping them build out. And it was beautiful. And then I watched the next, per the next person get hired. And it was like, mm -hmm. here's the menu. You start mm -hmm. Tuesday, and it's like... Right. Yep. Oh, the ongoing like, education uh, just wasn't there. Yeah. Or where are you going to pick it up? Where are you going to learn it from? And same thing. Like, I was very fortunate growing up to have that mentorship, to have those people that I can come in underneath and have someone bring you up. And then to realize that none of that exists. You have your, your ABC bartending schools, and you have a variety of master level classes and brand ambassadors and markets to turn around and give you the information on the spirits, on the category, on the history, but nothing was there that emulated the process that chefs go through. There was no knife skills. There was no sharpening. There was no mise en place. There was no mother sauces. Like you didn't have your, your core skill set of development into this to then be able to apply all of these different recipes to. No one taught saute. So where are you supposed to learn this? Where is a new bartender, someone who's hungry and reading the books and trying to figure it out and, you know, the advice you got was go be a barback. Great. Now you're a barback. Where do you go next? Yeah. Right. Plus, I think what we talked about earlier, there being somewhat of a glut of talent or, or rather a, a lack of talent available for how fast the industry's yeah. growing, that old school sort of basically what you're describing is an apprenticeship, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, it doesn't. It doesn't exist anymore, you know. Like I think, you know, I was a bar bag for a couple of years, right, before moving into the bar, and I don't think that exists anymore. Frankly, I think often you just get hired as a bartender now. Um, you don't go through that step at all. Right. You've got to be a bar back somewhere, and then more often than not, move to a different establishment to be able to get that promotion or that different job title. Right. So that that you know our reliance on this system of kind of apprenticing mm -hmm. is is on faulty ground already right people aren't sticking around to get that yep. man people move so much i think the number one piece of advice i give people all the time is like i say stand still they say to me how are you always in the press how how do you always how do you always get interviews how do you always get these things and it came to me one year um a couple of years ago i was reached out to by an airline magazine which they do quarterly and the guy was like, I want to get a quote from you. And I was like, this isn't even really like my wheelhouse. It was first, I don't know, Akavit. I don't know what it was about. <laughs> I don't remember what it was about. 
But I do remember being like, this isn't really even my wheelhouse. And he's like, but you're considered an expert in the field. And he goes, and I'm going to quote you and say that you're from Amore Margo in East Village in New York City. And I know that four months from now when this magazine comes out, you'll still be there. Right. Right. So it's like, stop being a moving target. Stand still. And Don't do just do something. Stand there. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks. Yes. That's my new, that's going to be on my tombstone. Um, I'll be here. Right, but we don't have that anymore. We don't have people who have longevity in a single space uh, as much as we used to. Yeah. You know, people say all the time, "Oh, I learned everything I could learn. I gotta go." And I'm like, "Man, if you think you learned everything you can learn, I, mm-hmm. you didn't." Yeah. But the minute you say that, you didn't. So you've so you've worked on the line in addition to being behind the bar. Then, like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. There's always more stuff to learn. It yeah. everywhere you. If you are. feel like you've learned everything that's behind the bar, then start looking out to the front of the bar. Like, mm-hmm. you, you, there's plenty to learn every day from every every single person who comes through the room or everything that's in the room. Yep. Um, all right, so we're getting towards the end of the show here. Bar Methods, uh, applications are live. Website? Uh, barmethods.com. If you're looking to apply, barmethods.com slash applications. Or if you're on the Instagram, it's at barmethods, and the link's in the bio. Right on. So easy enough. Um, and they have just a couple of weeks to get those apps in, and you're going to file through them, and only 50 lucky uh, people get to go. Yep. That's pretty amazing. Yeah. Um, I love that the cost is so low, because I feel like that, that uh, lowers a barrier for entry for people. Absolutely. Right. I didn't want to shut anybody out, and especially coming from different markets, I want to make sure that whoever attends, it is cost-effective enough to show up. You've got to cover your flight, but really outside of that, it's not even taking you away from the busier shifts because it's Sunday to Wednesday, so you're not losing. Right, it's the bartender weekend, yep. right, on purpose. Uh, it's You know, you get uh, multiple nights in the hotel. Like, the value is here. The like, value is massive. Yeah, yeah. 200 bucks just to stay in that hotel for three nights is, is, is 200 massive. 200 bucks will maybe get you a night. Yeah. So in the off season, and, yeah. and you subsidize all the other costs through the brands that support, right? Yes. Maybe like Woodford. Is Woodford going to support? Maybe. This <laughs> whole thing was pushing. an elaborate setup. Yeah, for he's the like, two of you. he's like looking away. I'm just going to stay quiet. Yeah. <laughs> um, well, at least you should come. You know, it's it's you come check it out, and, yeah. and maybe you support it next year. But it's a it's a great program, and I think it's valuable, especially uh, like I just mentioned that barrier for entry being low means that people who maybe get overlooked or marginalized in some ways like this is not that great a cost um, if you can get yourself to new york and, and pay the 200 dollars, it's a tremendous amount of education and some great networking right absolutely people walk away from this with with new friends people walk away from this having met people like myself or richie bocado who comes in and teaches a class usually right like what are the eight classes run them down real fast uh so we're going to be doing uh guest interaction a little bit of wellness and how to develop a good environment at work garnish and sustainability Juice and syrups, again, with a nod towards sustainability on that. Stirring, shaking, and ice. Nice. Yeah. Right. So, like, these are all skills that... Everybody needs them. Everybody needs them. And maybe, frankly, you need a refresher. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, they are valuable at any level. Dive bar to mixologist and everything in between, whether you've been in it forever or just starting. Because if you're the old dog, this is how you teach the new staff. Exactly, yeah. Not maybe not necessarily learning new tricks, but learning how to teach that same trick to someone uh-huh. else, right? Because that's that's an important skill too. Just because uh, you know how to do it doesn't mean you know how to teach someone to do it. Yeah. Right. So you can just come and get some of that as well. Um, Michael, anybody wants to reach out to you and talk about Woodford? How do they get a hold of you? Um, so my Instagram is the Michael Toscano, uh, which is thanks to Lyndon Pride at Dante made me make my Instagram <laughs> my name. Um, <laughs> and uh, and uh, you can get me at Twitter. It's underscore Michael Toscano. So pretty easy. Twitter. 
Yeah. Anybody use that anymore? Not really. I don't even use it. <laughs> anybody, they just have it. So anybody if, but the president? If they really want to find me, they can go there, but I've never posted ever on it. But, you know, it's there. Yeah, so. right. right on. I keep up on the Rangers there, I think. It's really what I use it for. Sure. <laughs> I keep up, up on political news. Yep. Um, Sports and outrage. That's what it's that's for. That's exactly right. That's exactly right. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, that's it for this week's episode of The Speakeasy. Thanks for tuning in, and uh, we look forward to having you hang out with us uh, uh, next week. So we'll talk to you soon, guys. Cheers. 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 The Speakeasy is powered by Simplecast. Thanks for listening to Heritage Radio Network, food radio supported by you. For our freshest content and to learn more about our 10-year anniversary celebration happening all year long, subscribe to our newsletter. Enter your email at the bottom of our website, heritageradionetwork.org. Connect with us on Instagram and Twitter at heritage underscore radio. You can also find us at facebook.com forward slash heritage radio network. Heritage Radio Network is a nonprofit organization driving conversations to make the world a better, fairer, more delicious place. And we couldn't do it without support from listeners like you. Want to be part of the food world's most innovative community? Subscribe to the shows that you like. Tell your friends. And please, join the HRN family by becoming a member. Just click on the beating heart at the top right of our homepage. Thanks for listening.